1: welcome back to open the voice gate for december 17th 2020 we are members of the Voices of Wrestling Podcast Network. You can find us on the Voices of Wrestling Podcast feed or on our own dedicated podcast feed on all podcast platforms and applications. You can follow us on Twitter at Open OpenVoiceGate. If you would like to donate to the show, click the link in the show notes. It'll take you to RedCircle.com. Just, touch, just click on the red box. You can do a one-time or reoccurring donation. No obligation whatsoever, but I would like to thank our re, our past donations and donors. Both of those guys. But uh, I am one of your hosts. It's your old pal, Iron Mike Spears. Joined alongside, as always, by my friend and co-host, Case Lowe. And Case, this is it. This is the last big preview show of 2020. We have the final big match coming up this Sunday. Final Gate, uh, Fukuoka. Can't believe this year's already over. This is a year that's felt like a decade. How are you doing, bud?
0: I feel like when crowds returned in July... They had a pretty slow rollout that month. They did the two shows in Kyoto. They did a Korkin. They did an Osaka number two. And then I'm pretty sure they did a Sambo Hall at the end of the month. And then from August onwards, it seems like every month we've talked about how now is the time to sign up for the Dragon Gate Network. Now is the time where they're running so many shows. Now is the time where they're pushing the young guys and the stories are interesting and the matches are good. And it is crazy that that has sustained through December where. You know, we're recording this on the 17th. I'm assuming this episode is going to come out on the 18th. And we've had two Quark and Hall shows. We've had a Triple Shot in uh, Hokkaido. We've had a Kobe Sambo Hall show. We've had a Kyoto KBS Hall show. Now we've got Final Gate on Sunday. And then a week after that, the final televised show of the year in Kobe Sambo Hall. And then I think Mike and I will get a week or two off because there will be nothing going on after that. But the momentum that Dragon Gate has maintained throughout the latter half of the year, throughout the limited crowd, the clap crowd capacity era, it is unbelievable to think that these guys have maintained relevant, both, I think, in Japan and on the Western front in terms of, of, of foreign interest, and the fact that they are still chugging along, and that this Final Gate show, I don't know about you, Mike, I think it feels really big in a way that, it's tough to compare it to this year's World because normally in the wrestling calendar, I think Kobe World comes at the right time and it feels appropriately big. There's something about this Final Gate card that I, I am just thrilled for. I am so excited to break that down, talk about the Cork and Hall show from this past week, and briefly talk about Kyoto KBS Hall, which happened a week ago, and it feels like it happened a month ago.
1: <laughs> you know, I think that Final Gate feels so big because we have a disbands match. And I think that adds so much to the color of the show and gives it so much emphasis. Like, okay, hey, so this is going to be the first disbands match since twenty eighteen. So, oh, uh, you know, as, I,
0: I'm it's I'm glad you said that because I couldn't remember what the last one was because like Natural Vibes and Tribe Vanguard all ended up integrating into either the Toriyama generation or the Drangate generation. And I right. what what is the last disbands match?
1: Over Generation versus Red, or no, that would have been Over Generation versus Antes.
0: Well, the idea that overgeneration existed in 2018 <laughs> is frightening to think about. Oh my God! And yeah, that I remember really liking that match. That is a, that is a great match that I actually I'll probably revisit this weekend if I have the chance, because it that I mean you know that was autumn of 2018 when I think Mike and I were the only western fans really watching Gate because it had taken such a nosedive creatively and then shima left and shingo was about out the door but that is a great match and it's not like with the exception of the deep Drunkers disbands match it's not like there's really ever been a bad one
1: no 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 and they've always had such heightened heightened emotions and there's a lot of just individual things about this match that when we get into it i think need to kind of be at would be would be good for our listeners to kind of keep at the forefront while they're considering this match and while they are kind of getting ready for uh final gate what comes in 20, 2021 because it does really feel like more so than any other time that we have come to the we are going to come to the conclusion of this three-way generation war we're either going to have uh well, well for one we're at least going to be down two sides of the unit i of the unit war. i think it's fair to say Regardless if RED wins, I suspect them to uh, change up in a way. It's kind of, kind of ready for that. And then you know if toriamon generation disbands, then I mean you, we're looking at a completely new landscape. And that really started in Kyoto, and, and truly started earlier this month with the formation of what we were calling Shungun, but now it has a official name scheme, all the good stuff. It is now Masquerade, and. You know, it, it, we're kind of transitioning from this Generation War already into what the new unit battleground will be like in the future.
0: It's great to see. It's been done so effectively and efficiently. I, I know there are some people that have disagreed with me just within the Voices of Wrestling slack, but I don't feel like the Generation War has lagged at all. I don't feel like it's gone on too long. I I have been so content with the booking this year and I think the great thing about Final Gate is that unless this show is an utter catastrophe, and I just think the promotion has been too good, and the names on the card and where they are slotted are too strong for this show to do that, unless Dragon Gate completely does a 180 and reverses course, there's no way to leave Final Gate without being excited for what's to come in 2021. And Mike, if you look at that schedule just of January 2021, it's Kyoto KBS Hall on January 9th, an Osaka number no. two show on January 10th, two Cork and Hall shows, January 12th and January 13th, and then Fukuoka. And there's a Sabo Hall show on the 17th, and then a Fukuoka doubleheader the last day of the month. So we're once again getting one, two, three, four, five, six, seven shows that make tape. And I, right now, I'm going to be excited for all of those until Dragon Gate does something different. Until they stop going in this direction, I am looking forward to whatever makes tape.
1: Absolutely, absolutely, and I think that's probably a good way for us to kind of get into the shows that happened over the last week. Uh, like what we did with Sapporo, uh, Kyoto KBS Hall. I'm going to read down the results, and then Case and I will then give our thoughts about it. It was on the 13th. It'll be on the network actually until Final Gate and. If you're someone who's looking to have something to watch over the weekend before Final Gate, it's KOKBS KBS Hall. It's a pretty venue. It's, I will say that this is not an essential show by any means, but it's not a bad wrestling show.
0: No, it was, it was a good show for what it was. I just forgot that it happened until Mike sent me the show notes, and I was like, oh, that's right. I have to have an opinion on this show, don't I? Because even though it happened last Sunday, in my mind it happened you know three or four weeks ago, but it, it's an enjoyable show. If you haven't seen it, uh, there's at least two matches on here that I think are worth checking out.
1: Absolutely. So it was on the 13th. It will be on the network until the 20th. Attendance was 255 for their last stop in Kyoto for the year. Massively up from 219 in November, and that's probably because they ran so much in Kansai in November. That's why things were down. And started off with a match-zero, three-way uh, match. Yosuke, San Maria, Ho-Ho, Loon, and Jimmy. San Maria got the win with a leg roll clutch in three minutes and 20 seconds. Then we went into the open It was Team Boku of Rio Saito, Bukudemo, Dragon, Punch Tominaga versus BB Hulk, Kai, and Kazuma Sakamoto, it was a DQ in 11 minutes and 55 seconds. The singles match on the show was UT versus Kakatora. Kakatora won in 11 minutes and 5 seconds with Agura Makakari. Uh, match 3 was Mochi Fuji versus Takashi Yoshida and Diamante. Uh, Don Fuji got the win with the Gato Clutch. He's been getting a lot of wins with the Gato Clutch, just as an aside, as of late. Match 4, the semi-main, was Shungun, as it was called. Shin Skywalker, Kota Minora, Jason Lee, and Dragon Daya defeating the Dragon Gate Generation team of Yamato, KZ, Benkei, and Keisuke Akuda, with KZ being the one eating the SSW in 17 minutes and 58 seconds. The main event was a 10-man tag team match, Torimon vs. RED. The Torimon team was Ultimo Dragon, uh, Doyoshi, Dragon Kid, Shuji Kondo vs. Ada, Kaido Ishida, SB Kento, Hio, and Hip Hop Kakuda. Kakuda got the win with the hand of god rolling lariat on dragon kid in 18 minutes and 28 seconds and what was pretty close to be a preview of their disbands match that will be happening in fukuoka and case as we said not an essential show this show happened there were some big highlights of the show i know that your match of the show was the semi-main event so what were your thoughts on the semi-main because i know that's kind of like the one thing of interest on the show
0: I'll keep my thoughts brief here because I I want to talk about it a little bit more on the Cork and Hall show because it was a similar matchup there. But this is just a great match. The Masquerade versus Dragon Gate Generation matches have all delivered. It it feels this is a weird comparison to make, I think, but when Los and Gobernables de Japón when they first came into New Japan, it was all you know guys we had seen for the most part. And it seemed like when they came in, they wrestled Chaos in a six-man tag of some kind on every single show for the next six months. Because New Japan makes tape so often, that match was eventually run into the ground, and now it's no longer like a special thing. But that was a conversation at the time, was like, if you throw Naito Sonata in Bushi in a six-man tag against... Okada, Ishii, and Gato, or whatever, Chaos Jr. there was at the time, Rocky Romero, maybe. Like, that match felt like a big deal, and it was just so new and fresh in a company that had become kind of stagnant with their units at that point that those matches became really exciting. And if you go back and look at my Match of the Year listings, uh, the the big spreadsheet for 2016, there are some just random... New Japan six-mans that you wouldn't really look at in 2020 eyes as being anything special, but at the time they were. And that's really what this current uh, Masquerade versus Drangate Generation feud reminds me of, where I can't tell if I'm overrating these matches a little bit, but I know that they feel new, they feel fresh, and the chemistry between these two units, within anyone in the units, is top-notch right now. These matches flow... And kind of like I said last week, they kind of feel like 2005-ish Dragon Gate-era multi with just the flow and the pacing of them. It's really exciting. So I think that 8-man tag, you have got to check out on this show if you have the time.
1: Yeah, and I'll say that I have not seen a Dragon Gate unit have such an immediate entering chemistry as these four have. We'll, we'll talk about X in a minute, but... They just came together, and I was flipping through my notes case as you were talking about that. I did not have a Shun Gun Masquerade match below three and three quarter stars, up like so far in December. Like they have been that solid so far. It's been a clear highlight. I'll get into some of my things that I'm going to. I'm going to play a little bit of bad cop when we start really talking about Masquerade at Corkin, but you just kind of walk away from this going like these guys got it in the ring that they're already like working as if that they've been a unit for two years at this point and it's exciting to see and the way that Dragon Gate Generation is and the way that I mean they're going to have another match in Kobe Sambo Hall it will be a full 10-man match then and the way that they've already kind of been like this is going to be a way forward will be Masquerade versus Whatever will be this group of people who spin off from Dragon Gate Generation, whatever Dragon Gate Generation turns into, it's really exciting, and it you know it, it kind of is something that constantly I look forward to each Dragon Gate show. And really, other than that, on this show, it, it was a fine show. That the one match that if you are a Yave sicko like I am, Ut versus Kagatora was the good stuff. Was not exceptional, but it was a three and a half star match that I felt like that the two of them had a really solid time and as we get into kakatora and in the Foulgate preview it's nice to see this guy motivated for once
0: the one other thing that i have to say on this show i i thought i would talk about this during the cork and hall review but it makes a little bit more sense here the mochi fuji versus yoshida and diamante in diamante match now that wasn't a great match by any means it was a little bit heavy on yoshida which i think everybody knows by now how mike and i feel about that but the opening portion of the match is mochizuki versus diamante and they work at such a brisk pace. It was such intensity. It's unbelievable. And then after the show, Mochizuki went on Instagram and had this post about Diamante that I thought was interesting. Once I translated it, he talked about how he hasn't been in the ring with him since their GHC tag match in April, which by the way, that happened this year. Diamante challenge for the GHC (laughs) heavyweight tag team titles against Masaki Mochizuki and Naobichi Marafuji. That happened this year. But after he talks about the GHC match, he says, and this is a rough translation from the Instagram, uh, English to or Japanese to English translator uh, Mochizuki says, I was barely able to keep up with the speed uh, that Diamante had. It would be interesting to see him in a singles match with Shun Skywalker. And I just thought that was a very interesting thing for someone to say publicly. Do I think at any point while Shun Skywalker is their Dreamgate champion, he is going to wrestle Diamante in a singles match? Unless it's a King of Gate, I think the answer is no. But Diamante is someone who I think, far and away, is most deserved of most improved wrestler of this year when we're talking about the Observer Awards. And maybe next week, maybe the week after, Mike and I... Uh, we will likely do an episode breaking down all of our Dragon Gate Awards and, and specifically tailoring them to the Observer Awards, but I just thought it was interesting. Hey, here's this guy that was actively bad at one point last year. We made fun of him because he was really only brought over to wrestle Ultimo, which he did very well in the Cork and Hall Show, but now it seems like he's really earned the respect of the locker room, and I thought his interactions with Mochizuki on this show were awesome.
1: Yeah, 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 and it's something that it does seem like, as we transition into Cork Diamante is staying for Final Gate, which is something that does not normally happen with Gaijin, which is notable because someone who's popped up on the shows was Jimmy, who has returned to Mexico, at least for the holidays. So Diamante, I don't think he is... He's definitely not contracted, but he is someone who has more than earned his uh, position on the cards, and it's—and I would love to see that Shane Skywalker match, just like a King of Gate match, maybe in... Uh, I'm trying to think of a cool place for Yeah, th- throw it
0: in Osaka number two. L- a yeah, little Osaka bit of a hotter crowd, because you don't want it in Kyoto. You don't want the single cam for that. You want it, you know, second from the top, maybe a Doi headline. Doi versus Ben K in the main event. Skywalker, Diamante beneath it, Osaka number two. I Put that on the spreadsheet, brother. I can picture it now.
1: <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And it's going to be real interesting, because when we look into Final Gate, there's going to be some heavy lifting for Diamante that he's going to have in his match. But... Unless you have any other thoughts, let's break down this huge Quarkin. No, let's do it. All right, so Corkin was on the 15th. It will be on the network as a Japanese commentary version until the 22nd. I do not believe, as of time recording, the English commentary is up at the moment. It is a super no vacancy, full house, 714 people there for the final show in Tokyo for the year. I don't think anyone else has done more than 700 in Corkin this year, at least during the COVID era. Have you seen anyone that has drawn more than that?
0: I have not seen anybody, but I also haven't been paying super close attention to any attendance outside of Drangate in New Japan. And in the effort of fairness, I want to clown on New Japan's COVID Corkin Hall attendance well, praising Drangate's COVID Cork and Hall attendance, but I realize that is not fair. We are still in the limited capacity era. I am choosing to abstain from having any takes on this because it is COVID and everything is weird and cases are rising in Tokyo, so I'm going to leave it alone. But it is worth noting this show was a super no vacancy sellout, which uh, off the top of my head is the only time that's happened since fans came back to the building in July for any promotion.
1: Yeah, yeah, just worth noting that they were able to do this. Like, to the extent where it wasn't like a walk-up sellout, they were doing tweets the day before saying, Hey, we've sold everything. Don't come to the venue. There's no more seats due to COVID restrictions. Like, this was not a walk-up crowd. This was people who made time for the show. And just before we start breaking down the matches in-, in general, like, this was a- another strong corking. I mean, of course, you have the doid match, which, I mean, if a doid arts match is below three and a half stars, regardless of, of how things are, then you know you're in a bad time. But, this was a really fun corkin i mean it flew by considering what all happened on the show
0: i watched it live and i i thought it flew by i was shocked the main event hit the ring when it did because the show went by really really quick
1: yeah so let's get down let's start breaking down the show the opener was Torimon versus red ultimo dragon don fuji and suji kanda versus takashi yoshida kai and diamante don fuji again with the gato clutch on Yoshida in ten minutes and fifteen seconds.
0: It's awesome. I-, I love this opener. I went three stars with it, but it is a it is a really fun three compared to the gentleman's three because it's a lot of Ultimo doing the heavy lifting in this match. It's it's he and Diamante with the latter taking the hamrick bump in the opening match for some reason, taking the monkey flip bump to the floor. Like I don't understand Why this is happening, but I'm not going to complain because I love it. It's great, and Ultimo was a ton of fun in this match. And then you once again have Fuji winning with the Gato Clutch. After the match, Yoshida shoves down Kai. There's a little bit of tension there. This was just, this was an efficient an effective opener with guys that were trying, and I think that's the difference here because this could have been a really sluggish eleven minutes. Had Ultimo not felt like working, had Fuji not felt like working, had Yoshida had been having an off night, but instead they all clicked, and I thought this was super fun.
1: Yeah, you, you see, you took after Ultimo. I thought Don Fuji was an absolute legend in this match. He's he was Mike. Like, he's doing...
0: unbelievable. He is. He has been so good since July, where he's not doing. I mean, we all love Don Fuji, and we all have loved him throughout every point of his career, but, you know, there's been some years, not months, not weeks, but there's been some years where Fuji has maybe been a little bit down on the effort compared to other times in his career, but it seems like since the crowds have come back, Don Fuji has worked his ass off on every single show.
1: Yeah, and I think it's something where he gets something to bite into, you know, it's he's teaming with Mochizuki of course that's one of the all-time great tag teams in the promotion and it's these two guys have a combined age of over 100 and they're they might have their AARP cards case but you wouldn't think about it when Don Fuji's busting out flying head scissor takeovers in the opening match like this guy does not need to be doing this at his age and he's like nope I'm gonna do a flying head scissors takeover I'm Don Fuji and it's just a really fun start and of course we should get into Yoshida I'm a little down, I'm always down on Yoshida, but it seems like we're in the triennial time of Yoshida having issues with people in his stable, and it feels like he does this all the time, and yeah, I mean, I guess this is, the timer's up, it's time for him to, he's not very happy with his Triangle Gate Team partner SBK, and he's not happy with the rest of R.E.D. going to this disbands match.
0: Yeah, I guess that is the one wet blanket on Drangate's booking is that they're doing something with Yoshida again, and we have to mentally prepare ourselves. I mean, Mike and I just recorded a Drangate USA Rewind and Rewatch episode earlier this week that will come out in in a week or two, where we're talking about this Takashi Yoshida road to unit affiliation series that happened in early 2013 that I had no memory of just completely (laughs) just men in black. It just didn't happen in my mind. And now I've got to revisit that while also living with this in the present. And it is a bit of a bummer, but I I don't know. I think Drangate's a little bit more realistic with who he is and how he's valued. Maybe we're way off and there's sort of, uh, a Western bias against Yoshida, but in the post Shima Okamura era, it seems like Drangate has been a little bit more reined in with what exactly they're doing with Takashi Yoshida.
1: Yeah. And it's something where there's not a whole lot you can really do with him. He's not going to be getting a singles match, a uh, Dreamgate shot anytime soon. That's just, he, he wrestled his way out of that position. Um, his, One true partner is no longer in the company. His other one is Yamato. So I don't think, unless somehow that's going to be the conclusion of the BK, or the BB Hulk, Kai, and Yamato feud is that Yamakong reunite and take the belts off them, which, hey, Yamakong was a fun team. Uh, Mike, you
0: just spoke that into existence. That is exactly what's going to happen.
1: I feel dirty. <laughs>
0: that, God damn it, Mike. <laughs> that is exactly what's going to happen. I,
1: I, I hate my ability. <laughs> well, look, Sometimes we have the ability to go like case going like, oh, Yoshino's going to be in this match and he's going to get tapped out by Kenta Kabune. Or I'm like, oh, it'll be a strong machine FN. And now I guess we're going to have a reuniting Yamakong in
0: 2021. I, I, I would put money on that if that was a fan duel. What, what, what's your, what's your uh, degenerate sponsorship on everything Elite, Mike?
1: Well, we currently do not have that sponsorship right now until 2021. <laughs> Times
0: are tough. My apologies. Please donate no, no. with the red circle button below. <laughs> no,
1: no, no, no. I, I, as I, I, as I've said before, if uh, if uh, my bookie had certain things set up for Dragon Gate, there's there is definitely a future that I feel like you could bet on a Yamakong reuniting.
0: Oh God, I'd put so. money on it. That's that's. I'm sick to my stomach now thinking about that because that is i think that's exactly what's gonna happen that uh, that is such a bummer
1: <laughs> yeah 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 and then we have kind of another bummer the next match was a tag team match keisuke akuda and jimmy versus kagatora and sachi Hoka Boy. the story of the match really was more of the skirmish before the brave gate match at final gate kagatora pinned jimmy with the Gura makakari and this is the last match for jimmy he his tour's done um he got put on cards a little bit more so in his last week kind of as a uh as a farewell and I don't know if Jimmy's going to be back. I'm hoping he's going to be back, but he was someone that sadly with how the promotion's going and where he was and his role on the card, he did not get as much time as I wished for Jimmy to be on these shows.
0: No, he got really really fun to watch towards the end of his run. And he's always someone that remind me reminded me of Drastic Boy. He used to come over with Flamita on those tours where he was the perfect undercard guy, just always did his job, always filled his role. And once his body started filling out during COVID in March and April, when the dojo was just eating and lifting and sleeping, and those were the only three things they did. I remember we talked about it on an empty arena show in May that Jimmy had, like, lost all of his body control because he was so big and muscular now, and he didn't know how to fly with all that weight. And it seemed like he dropped some of the weight and then regained that body control with his new physique, and and from that point on, became a very, very fun wrestler. And with the exception of returning to Mexico at the start of this year, you got to remember, Jimmy went back to Mexico at the beginning of 2020 and then his last match in Mexico was February 29th of this year, which was the same day as Gate night one. So Jimmy flew back into Japan right as everything got shut down and then didn't work until the empty arena shows and has, you know, been on the cards for the most part ever since. He someone that came over in June of 2019. And Mike, just to show you the rapid transition of Dragon Gate over the past 18 months, I think this is a perfect snapshot to look at I'm forgetting the fact that this was a, a King of Gate Korkin show that had Eita versus Kai as the semi-main event of the match before it was Flamita, Kagetori Yamato, and Yosuke Santa Maria versus Big R Shimizu, Takashi Yoshida, Yosushi Kanda, and Pac. Forgetting all of that, the debut match of Jimmy in this company was him teaming with Hiroshi Yamato, Punch Tamanaga, and Brother Yashi against Dragon Daya, Drastic Boy, Kness, and Mondai Ryu. That was eighteen months ago. That feels so so long ago.
1: Yeah, it's a completely different promotion now, and I hope we can see Jimmy back. I, I hope so too. That I I, th- I hope that with like Masquerade kind of filling out, I feel like that if they needed someone to be the new Gaijin fall post, he'd be perfect for these guys. You can get him a sweet Venetian mask, and he'd fit in right well with the other five guys there. So I hope he comes back. I don't know how much he'd really be able to work right now in Mexico uh we we talk about Japan and America having issues with covid spikes and Mexico has recovered somewhat but they're still in a pretty bad state so I don't know how much he's going to be working but I hope he gets to come back in 2021
0: that would be great to see him cuz I think he's only going to get better with age cuz he's still very young
1: yeah 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 and then for the opener I realized I didn't give star ratings uh Three flat, fun three for the opener, and then two and three quarters on match two. Just not enough time, really, for it to be a great match or or a match worth noting. It just was a five-minute match that was previewing. And if farewell to Jimmy, who we hope to see back soon.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And then from there, Mike, oh boy, did we have... Uh, we had something going on, didn't we?
1: Yeah, so match three... Uh, six-man tag team match. It was Yamato, Yosuke Samaria, and Gamma versus Naruki Doi, Bukunomo Dragon, and Punch-Stone Managa. Uh, Bukuromo got the pin with the Bukuromo-style lob to Cradle in 9 minutes and 4 seconds. The match itself, you know, it was just kind of like, a, they had like a good bit where before Bukuromo came out, Doi instructed the crowd that when, when Bukuromo raises one arm, you cheer crazy, you applaud riotously, but if he raises the other arm, you're dead silent. And that was kind of the joke throughout the match. And the match itself was there. Okay, so did you have any really big thoughts about the match where we get into what we need to talk about what's happening after this?
0: No, I, like I said last week, the gimmick is 100% comedy, so I don't mind it. And it seems to entertain Naruki Doi to such an extreme that I would feel bad if I complained about it. I w- I would feel like I was robbing joy from Naruki Doi and I certainly do not want to do that.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. You could tell that everyone else in the unit thinks this is the funniest thing ever and I th- it, he's really good at it. That's a scary <laughs> thing is he's really good at these parody things that he he's so good that I'm like I hope that whenever this whole thing is done that they that this is not his career because we've seen Big Match uh Shimizu but he's probably equally as good as a parody wrestler, and that's scary.
0: Well, he, uh, I still maintain, and we'll see how long this Ultimo ripoff gimmick lasts, and we'll and we'll see, you know, we'll revisit this, but I still think he's one shot put slam away from being right back in the main event scene at the upper mid-card scene at the very least. So I don't worry about his future necessarily. I'm going to enjoy this gimmick for what it is, though, because it is genuinely very, very funny.
1: And and speaking of us, you know who also enjoys this gimmick, Case? Who's that, Mike? It is the principal Ultimo Dragon, which this is something that it's really worth watching live because they start playing Separados after Bukidemo wins, and then they stop, and they and then they start playing something else. Something else with the uh, really eerie caption of "This has been muted for uh, copyright reasons," and then Ultimo Dragon came out because he had because he had he had to find out some things about this Bukidemo Dragon.
0: I. I'm under the assumption that the second Corker Hall show in January is going to be the Toriman reunion show. Have they They have not officially announced that, right?
1: No, they have not. Okay, have so that's
0: not. pure speculation on my end. I don't know anything. I haven't heard anything, but just the two Coricans in January would lead me to think that they're doing another Torrey Mon show because the word coming out of last year was that they wanted to make this a yearly thing. I can't wait, assuming that is the Toriman reunion show, to figure out what Ultimo and fake Ultimo Bucaltimo are going to do together because it could be them against like the Pineapple Brothers or something it could be something so ridiculously absurd you know you know what it should be and Mike I'm going to break your heart because it's not a realistic possibility but what it should be if I had the pencil if I also had the Midas touch of healing this injured wrestler I would be doing Ultimo and Bucaltimo against Arakan and Awasa and I think that would be a that would be a five-star match Mike
1: I, I, I mean, that would be the main event on my experience Produce.
0: <laughs> With, like, UT versus Super Super Shisa going 45 minutes underneath.
1: Oh, oh, oh they're, they're going to go best of three falls. Absolutely, well, yes. Traditional style. So <laughs> the, the whole thing about this is that Ultimo came out and was like, hey, this guy's copying my gimmick. The last time I let that happen, the guy based his whole entire career on it, making a joke about Dragon Kid. And he said, like, I want some royalties and he negotiated it down. Cause he said, since you're really good at this, I'll do the, I'll let you do this for 300 yen. So three bucks that, that Ultimo is not a very good negotiator apparently, but he's so pleased that he wants to team with Bukuromo and he wants to be involved with this team Boku thing, which that is going to be wild saying Ultimo dragon potentially teaming with punch Tomanaga in the future. But it looks like that he's going to be moving his alignment in 2021, too. If Torimon Generation's around, probably some of that, but also into uh, Team Boku.
0: I wouldn't read into it too much just because I think Doi's doing the same thing. And for as much as almost like bipartisan unit ship bothers me, because if you go back and watch a lot of 2005 and early 2006 Dragon Gate, Magnum Tokyo bouncing between Do Fixer and Paz Hearts, it sounds like a very small thing but it really does ruin, for lack of a better word, the feng shui of Dragon Gate. Like, it's it just... This company works with guys in one unit at a time, and when you yeah. start to see cross-sections of, of guys in multiple units, I typically am not a fan of it, but I think as long as Team Boku is around, their apex, their absolute best-case scenario, is the losing side of a Triangle Gate match, and so... As of now, it does not bother me, and I don't think there's anything to Ultimo working with those guys, with the exception of it gives him more opportunities to work the opening six-man tag and to take it easy on his body.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean, I do think that it is something that I kept in mind when I was writing my part of the preview, the fact that there is obviously a spin-out point for at least three members of the Torimon Generation that team Boku, which appears to be a thing for a while. That this could be a reason, a reason, in a, in a landing place, but you, you know we'll see how things are past the Mont the uh, supposed Torian reunion show in January. I feel like that will be the big kind of uh, decision point on what we'll see the longevity of this proto-unit or somewhat-unit thing. Because yeah, like you're absolutely right, the whole thing with Paws hearts and Do fixer kind of was it begin the end of Do fixer? Paws hearts never really became kind of a thing and then you had bb hulk teaming with shima with blood hearts remember that like that was weird like it's just <laughs> something <that laughs> no i did absolutely... not remember
0: that oh my god that did happen didn't it
1: that did, that that did. i'm cursed with remembering like just errata of dragon system history because hulk and blood... shima
0: never really they didn't team together in blood warriors nope and hulk would have been a new hazard when he was in typhoon so that's really the only time that tag team happened didn't it
1: yeah yeah and, and he was invited into Typhoon, and he turned it off to do a real ha- or a New Hazard.
0: He didn't want to wear Shima's embarrassing face paint.
1: I mean, I don't blame him whatsoever for that case. <laughs> no, no, no blame there. Um. All right, now now we're entering the masquerade portion of the show, as it was Susumu versus X, who ended up being the debuting La Estrella. And La Estrella won in 6 minutes and 13 seconds against Susumu Yokosuka with a flash plan that was called a libra and we thought we had a fig we had a feeling that it was going to be someone from the dojo it ended up being someone from the dojo uh case sh- i i'm okay keeping kayfabe here if we want to do you want to keep we're gonna produce on air here should we keep kayfabe about this
0: Sure, at least as of now, because I, I think most people that have watched the show by this point have figured it out. I know I, I tweeted something about it at Open Voice Gate. if you're really curious to to find out who was under this mask. But, Mike, I have a question for you, because I think part of the reason that Drangate is, is so great most years, but especially this year, is the fact that there is this emotional attachment. And even if there is a language barrier, you know, Mike and I find ourselves intently watching these promos and intently watching doy darts and we followed these characters you know the great thing for me is that i'm finally at a point where guys like shun skywalker and ben i i've been watching them since their debut matches i've seen their career blossom it's such a great thing to see I, I really feel like i have you know a vested emotional connection in a lot of the roster and when you talk about a guy like lai strala Mike, I have to ask you, what is it like having more short king representation on this roster?
1: As a short king, I feel like that representation is important. You know what I Like, it's so important to cop something from Aaron Taub. But I'm glad that we have another short king out here. You know, it's something where it's, he is at a size that this person is smaller than everyone else on the roster by a good margin, by a good good margin i mean like when when like we saw the, the whole unit reveal of masquerade he was noticeably shorter than dragon Daya. and and in a promotion like this that usually means one thing this kid's gonna fly and boy can australia fly fi- fly we got he had a lot of uh it, it's easy to call him like a a uh, super sky or a student skywalker sito but i feel like it's a little bit demeaning because the real Compeer case, and you made this in review, it's like we have a second coming of Sugi here.
0: It's not only that I that I, I was not the other person to make this comparison, I did, and this is not concrete. This is very rough around the edges journalism. But as Corkin was going along, like I said, I was watching live, and so I was name searching just a Lie Strala name into Twitter with the with the correct Japanese spelling of it to figure out kind of what the pulse was to some extent. And there were two things to take away from, again, this is not a large pool of people to to test this theory, and it's certainly not, you know, uh, concrete by any means, but two things. One, this act appeared to be over, people were really into this guy being X and him beating Yokosuka, and that registered like a big deal, and two... It was, you know, Sugi 2.0 is essentially the the tweet that I kept on seeing over and over again because he does that damn rope-running dropkick that is going to give me a heart attack every time he does it. That is the craziest thing in wrestling, and I thought he was going to screw it up in this match. As soon as he started taking off, I thought, oh, God, no. Oh, this is going to be like Shockmaster, but the Dragate equivalent. And he stuck the dropkick, and he nailed it, and then he won. And it's, it's really exciting. I don't know... You know, ceiling, floor, I don't know what this guy's career is. I know when he first came out uh, and made his entrance, had there been a laugh track underneath, I would have laughed along with it because it really did look like a child put on Shun Skywalker's gear and came to the ring, but once the bell rang, now there are some issues within his general performance that we can talk about, but overall I came away from this debut looking at it as a net positive and something to be excited about, especially after seeing the match that he's in in Final Gate.
1: Right, yeah. So it it's definitely something to build on. And it is it's too early for us to do any sort of prognostications other than hey, this guy reminds us of Sugi meets Shun Skywalker, which that's great. But uh we we did the uh we ate the dessert, but we have to eat our vegetables case. Uh two things I noticed that I feel like this character is going to have to have some issues with that, you know, some of it is with this character debuting that they had to do it in a certain way, but did you notice, like, he was really, really winded at the end of a six-minute match?
0: Yeah, he was not in the best of shape. It's weird. He's a small guy, and if it's who I'm assuming it is under the mask, has definitely put on some weight since the first time we saw him. Yeah, easily. And then from there, I think the other complaint that at least I have with this, and Mike, I don't know where you stand... But, not only was he winded, and I don't know if these played into each other, if they were two separate issues, but there's a specific moment in this match where Yokosuka puts on a half-crab, and then kind of transitions it into a cross-face, and it really stood out to me in those moments of the match, oh god, this guy in the mask is having trouble emoting, you don't have that you know, let alone generico level of charisma, but you don't even have the Shun Skywalker level of charisma bleeding through the the thing that might be covering his face. He sat in this half crab. It was it was uncomfortable. It was almost like he was no selling this move or in a way like it kind of reminded me of the way like Choshu or Hashimoto. (laughs) <laughs> sometimes sell these moves where it's like yes, it's like yes. yeah they're in the move but they they look bored more so than in pain and it, it really started to me they're like oh he needs to be to be broken down in in a way where he needs to learn how to sell those moves cuz that is ultimately the fate of this character is it's going to be a plucky underdog. And there are going to be times where he's in a submission, whether it is a simple half crab or Ata's numero uno, where he is going to have to project that pain to the back of the building. And he did not do that here.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And the one thing I'll say is both these things that we're bringing up, cause I'm completely on the same page as you guys. These are things that that can change with time. You know, this is, this is not something that's going to be an issue you know, I mean, it took Shun Skywalker a while and also a couple gear changes for him to really kind of get like the charisma and moding down. And, you know, the more you wrestle, the better your win will be. So. Oh,
0: God. I mean, for a for a debut again, this is a net positive. These are these are things right. as, assuming this is who we think it is. This is the third time he's wrestled in front of cameras, so it'll be fine. He'll figure it out work on the selling work on the cardio and get some new pants. Cause I did not think I, I had no issue with the mask. I did not think his gear fit him though. And it was incredibly distracting at 5 20 AM central standard time to look at this dude's waistline and be like, you know, I don't like the way that looks. That is bothering me on a deep, deep level. So that needs to change. And I hope that's fixed by final gate. But again, again, the debut came across like a big deal. He pins Susuba Yokosuka clean in his debut, Mike. That is crazy to think about. And overall, there was a lot more there to like than there is to pick at.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely. I want to make that clear. It's just when you when you have your dessert, you should have your vegetables too. So we'll, we we have a lot of Russell Joy here at case, but we do not believe in toxic positivity. I'm
0: not I'm not touching this, Mike. <laughs> don't don't make me do this. <laughs>
1: <laughs> All right. Well, I'm not even going to try to segue, but, uh, but next match was eight-man tag Torimon versus R.E.D. Another preview of the disbands match. Torimon was Yoshino, Kid, Horiguchi, and Kanda. R.E.D. was Ada, Ishida, Kento, and, Kabud- and Kakuta. Kakuda threw myself out there because I'm, used- I'm so used to saying Kento Kabune, but it's Kakuta. The fall was Horiguchi with a backslide from heaven on Ada in 10 minutes and 44 seconds in case i i'm gonna take a second here to say i love how much of a smug jerk hip-hop Kakuta is now like it was something that like we're now seeing two weeks later him as a heel and there's certain things about his character that i'm not super wild of but he gets how to be a jerk and it's great to see this guy just acting like a total asshole and a pretty fun um a pretty fun prelude match i went a three and a half stars it. i thought that this was a good time
0: so I was down on this compared to everybody else because Joe Lanza on the Voices of Wrestling Twitter account a few days ago, or whenever he watched this said it was a notebook match for him. And I had it a full star lower. I was right at three with this. It was not a bad match by any means. It just didn't really register with me as anything that great. I think we've seen better combinations of these guys and multi-man matches before. I will say my big takeaway from this one, just remember that Aja took the fall. And I think that will come into play later on in the show. But two, I was watching this show live, and Jojo Remy, who lives in Japan, Voice of Wrestling contributor, was obviously watching it live, and we were talking about how the announcers kept on putting over the hip size and the thigh size of Hip Hop Kakuta, and we have come to the unofficial conclusion. If anybody knows for sure, if anybody's positive why his name is Hip Hop Kakuta, tweet us at Open VoiceGate. But right now, the clubhouse leader in that name change, the, the theory is is that he is named Hip Hop Akuda because he has wide hips and because he does hip attacks. And I guess hip hop is a thing, so they latched that on there. But we essentially got a, a, an entire character change based off the thighs of this man.
1: I mean, he is wearing dangerous tights, too.
0: Oh, God, yeah. You know, I wasn't... I didn't maybe notice it as much as you did during the Hokkaido shows, but in Cork and Hall, I, I noticed there was a, a, some, some skin showing.
1: You, you, you get some cheek <laughs> out of hip hop. You get some cheek, and out I don't of, look. I don't out. mind. You live it. You yeah, live no. your life.
0: It's your body. But I noticed.
1: Yeah, yeah, we're body positivity here. <laughs> so, so the one
0: thing you can say about this show: you might not like me, <laughs> you might not like Mike, but we are body positive.
1: Yeah, yeah, and it, it's something where I ca- I don't see it as a full transformation. I see it as an adaptation because just in Kyoto, his finisher is still the hand of God. It's still the discus lariat. It's just now his moveset is going to be he's he's a big Shiro Koshinaka fan I guess as apparently a lot of wrestling is more so than I'd ever realized but he's doing that the, the
0: influence category and the observer hall of fame needs to be reexamined for
1: Shiro Koshinaka <laughs> I mean I feel like we got to uh, I think the 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 way the reason why I'm in between you and Lanza is I really like the closing stretch with Ginky Horiguchi and Ada. Ginky Horiguchi, who is one of the gods of the closing stretch, just because of how much the crowd still buys into the backslide from heaven 17 years later. And it's just tremendous stuff. And I really like that. And, you know, it's something where, like, they went head to head on the microphone afterwards. And, you know, Horiguchi is like, hey, just takes three seconds and you're done. And your unit can be done. So prepare yourself. And I thought that that was a successful prelude. If I was
0: a wrestler that cared, if I was a wrestler that wanted to better myself and explore something new, I would be studying the last two minutes of every big Genki Horaguchi match because I, I don't know... It, it, removing the epics aside, removing your Kobashi and your Okada and sure, your Shawn Michaels or whoever else you want to mention. I'm not talking about your world title classics, but just in terms of a match on the card where the the finish is maybe not relevant to the grand scheme of the company, but matters in that moment, there's nobody better than Genki Horiguchi. Study, study Horiguchi's final two minutes and study the way Masada Yoshino kicks out of big moves at the end of matches. Because Yoshino, I will go to the grave saying, has the best kickout I have ever seen.
1: It's not a 2.9 kickout. It's a 2.999. Kick out like last flinch of glory. And with, like, with like with like the palm
0: to the sky, like he's reaching at the ceiling when he kicks out. It's the it, he he does it in a way where literally no one else in wrestling, no one else does it the way he does. And I'll include the epics. I, Kobashi did not have, have, have as good as a kick out. Okada did not. Masahiro Oshino is one alone in that category. There's not a one A and a one B. It is one with a bullet. Masahiro oshino
1: you, you know what it's like. It's like whenever you watch like a movie or TV show and someone is drowning and, and they get CPR and they're resuscitated and they go, <gasps> afterwards, <laughs> that's what it's like.
0: Uh, that is exactly what AJ Soprano was like. Sorry to to give anybody <laughs> Soprano spoilers. The show went off the air 13 years ago. I feel like I can talk about that scene now.
1: No, 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 no. It's a show that's been over more than half your life, Case. You're totally allowed to. I don't,
0: I don't believe that. I don't believe I was alive when that show first went on the air.
1: Dude, why does there always have to be one Mention of a week <laughs> of your youth and my slow c- climb to the grave, man. Come on. So think about think
0: about this, because I think the world looks at 1999 as a cultural cesspool where South Park and Limp Biscuit were the two most relevant things going on, at least in America. January 10th, though, January 10th, 1999, The Sopranos pilot airs on HBO. January 31st, 1999, we have the first Toriumon show in Japan. And February 12th, 1999, I come into this world. So really, not a bad year when you think about it. Not too bad.
1: (laughs) I that was my eighth grade year in high school.
0: (laughs) (laughs) school. That's okay, Mike. I graduate college in five months. I got nothing going for me. (laughs) You have
1: youth. You have (laughs) youth. All right, so semi my main event. This is yet another prelude match. This one, though, was for the Big Belt. This is the prelude of your Final Gate main event. It is Ben K and KZ of the Dragon Gate Generation versus the first official match of Masquerade, Shun Skywalker and Dragon Dia. Shun Skywalker got the pen, of course, with the uh, SSW. Uh, before we get into the match itself on KZ, just to get into the match itself, it's okay that KZ has been eating a lot of these SSWs. Someone has to dig the ditches in KZ... As as I've said earlier this week, KZ digs Roman aqueduct level ditches, so it's fine. KZ is fine. Don't worry about him constantly getting beat by shooting Skywalker. Someone has to dig the ditch, and it's him. Case. Um, let's talk about masquerade. Let's do it. So masquerade. It's an official unit now. They have somewhat of a Venetian carnival theme. All of them come out with eyes wide shut masks. It is. Uh, Shun Skywalker, Dragon Dya, Kodama, Nora, Jason Lee, and La Estrella, and as we said before, great chemistry in ring. I am stoked to see Estrella team with these guys. I think that's going to be really fascinating. But there's going to be one big issue with this unit going forward, and I think it's time to eat some more vegetables, Case. Because Case, what do you th- what do you think is the one big flaw of this unit?
0: Well, it's not the look. Because their main colorway is purple, which I don't believe there's ever been a unit that has looked the way they have. So their look is Um, great.
1: There's one. There's one. Who's that? Does it? Tozawa Juku's uh, keynote color was purple and white.
0: Okay. Well, that doesn't really count, Mike, uh, for the point. Don't you say that to me.
1: Don't you say that (laughs) to
0: me. I thought they were were black and white because Tozawa never really wore purple gear. If anybody's worn purple gear, it's been Susumi Yokosuka.
1: Well, yes, that, that that has traditionally been his keynote color dating back to M2K, but what, the, the big logo of Tozao Juku was the flower that was white and purple on black.
0: All right, I, I remember that, so that that is fair. So they have a nice-looking color scheme. They have the, the masks, like you said, that when they made their entrance for this match, I tweeted it out, I was ready to take a blood oath for these guys. I mean, I was so captivated because it was much more theatrical than I typically care for in wrestling it was really over the top and kind of ominous but it worked it was it was awesome in the ring we'll talk about how good these guys are specifically against these two opponents but there is one glaring issue and Mike was the first one to bring it to my attention I did some digging this week to you know see if Mike was correct or not and unfortunately Mike Spears is correct in the fatal flaw of this unit and Mike you have the floor to talk about what that is
1: the big issue, and this will be a big disparity between I've seen the international fan response. Everyone is pro Masquerade. We all love Masquerade here, guys. We all do. Like, it, it, It's a unit that works, but there's going to be one thing that's going to be the clear dividing point between Western fans and Native fans in Japan. And that is none of these five guys are a good talker. None of them. Uh, Jason Lee, I completely give Jason Lee a pass. He's not a Native Japanese speaker. Koda Minora, they've been training him to talk. He's been the interviewer on Prime Zone. Prime Zone happened, but there's no Prime Zones anymore. Dragon Daya, he's a sweet summer child who, this one promo I remember him ever having was returning, was refusing an entrance in the Mochizuki Dojo because they work out and eat too much, and he's someone that is a light eater and a heavy sleeper. And La Australia, we do not I don't think we're going to be hearing from that kid for a while. Shun Skywalker, the one thing I've noticed, and... I'm sorry to be the bad cop. I'm sorry to be the one that makes everyone eat their vegetables instead of just eating a whole bunch of cake and pie. But Shun Skywalker, since he returned, each time he has picked up the microphone, the crowd has reacted less and less and less. This unit, for it to be a super face unit in the vintage of World 1. Whenever I think of a super face unit, I think of World 1 because it checks all the boxes. And the biggest box... For this to be a main event unit is you have to have people to do the post-show talk, to do the uh, nice uh, just riffing off each other. You think about Yoshino and Doi all the time, the way that they'll have a very funny and pleasant conversation, and they'll say, thank you very much for coming. We'll see you next time. There's no one in this unit that can do this, and that's going to be something that's going to hurt their engagement, and it's going to be a big disparity between the native fans and the Western fans or the international fans. And it's the exact same thing in a lot of ways that millennials had and where we lived through the disparity between the international fan opinion of millennials and the local fan opinion. And that's going to be a huge, huge hurdle for masquerade to get over.
0: And I don't think it's the end of the world because the fact is, I think in the ring, I think Shun Skywalker is very over. And I think the crowd is at least from what I've been able to tell, and I don't have any Intel on this from the Japanese side of things, but I know I'm very into Shun Skywalker versus Ben K. I want to talk about that in just a bit, uh, in just a second, about the build of that match. And I get the impression that the crowd is very into that build, but that is happening exclusively in the ring because the knock on Ben K has always been that he can't talk either. So you haven't really seen. I don't remember, with the exception of the challenge at the end of Kobe World, I don't think there's been a Ben Kay versus Shun Skywalker promo segment, and it's because those two guys are guys that are known to not be good promos. Now, I reached out to someone in Japan, I would credit them, but I don't know if they want their name set on the show, so, you know, if they're listening and you want credit, by all means, send me an email, and I'd be more than happy to in the future, but I I have a feeling this person wants to keep uh, anonymous on this one, but I emailed them, native speaker, I said... What's the deal with these guys? Can they cut promos? Because Mike had mentioned this. That that was Mike's big takeaway from Cork, and at least when he reached out to me on on Tuesday after the show happened, was these guys look great? I'm sure they'll be awesome. They can't talk though. I was like, well, I feel like I remember hearing maybe Menora was getting to be a bit uh, a a better promo, and obviously he's a guy that they seem to be having long term uh, a long term build for. So let me reach out. Let me get some intel on this and. The feedback I got, and I'll, I'll read this email verbatim, was Skywalker sounds like he's forcing a character. Minora has no personality or confidence. Daya rarely says anything. And Jason can't speak Japanese. That is a huge red flag. That is going to be an issue that will ultimately dampen the success of this unit. The Millennials comp is perfect because the Millennials were so over with the international fan base. And they were. You know, they were kind of over in Japan, I mean, Ata had his specific fans that were really, really loyal, but Ata, for as good of a character as he can be, has never been known for being a great talker, UT, obviously not a main event level promo guy, Flamita speaks Spanish, and T-Hawk, his knock, and it was publicly and privately, he was destroyed for his promo inability. And Shima and Mochizuki and the veterans on the roster would constantly reference how bad of a promo T-Hawk is. And that was in front of fans. So I can't imagine how bad it was behind the scenes. But it ultimately just lessened the impact of the Millennials. And we saw it was a hurdle that T-Hawk could not get over. T-Hawk did the best work of his career. in Wrestle One as... This invader heel champion where he was just battling the Wrestle 1 babyfaces and that was an easier position for him to be in because he didn't have to lead the company. He didn't have to put the Wrestle 1 logo on his back. No human wanted that and luckily T-Hawk was in a position where he didn't have to do that. But I think the same parallel Mike nailed that comparison there. This is what Masquerade is going to have to deal with. And if Skywalker can figure it out, Sky, pun intended, or no pun intended, rather, Sky is the limit for him. If Minora can figure it out, we're looking at a real top-line player within the next five years. And Dragon Daya, yeah, he's not hes not a talker, and Lee is not a native Japanese speaker. And I get the impression with the new guy that he's, his character will not be speaking for a very, very long time. So that's the, the harsh reality of it. But Mike, the good news is, is that we can watch them wrestle as well. And this Skywalker (laughs) and Daya versus Benkei match, Benkei and KZ, what did you think of it? Because we have not talked about the match itself.
1: Oh, these teams don't miss. These, like, as we've seen through Hokkaido, as we saw at Kyoto, these teams don't miss. I can't wait for the future face-offs between them. Benkei and Shun Skywalker, they've been having these really scintillating two or three-minute stretches in all their matches since since Shun won the title where they just go at it and they're constantly in each other's face outside of it. It is excellent stuff. It's intriguing stuff. You know what my favorite move of Shun Skywalker's is right now, guys? What's that, Mike? It is his flying big boot because <laughs> yeah. he, he takes off heads with it. It is like the perfect counter for the spear. It is fantastic. Dia and KZ, they work incredibly well as well. And it just was a great preview match. If it had a little bit more time, this would be a notebook match for me. Three and three quarters. I absolutely adore it. And one of my most anticipated things going into Final Gate and going to 2021 will be whatever Dragon Gate Generation is or becomes versus Masquerade because this rocks.
0: You know, KZ and Daya, that combination either with or against each other, that is a combination to keep an eye on because, again, this was January. But they teamed together in the Twin Gate tournament at the start of the year, and they had two awesome matches. They were so much fun to watch, and we kind of thought going forward that maybe KZ and Dia would be a long-term team. Obviously, that didn't happen, which is a bummer, but they, they work very well with and against one another. But the story here has been Kay and Shun Skywalker. Now, we're going to preview Final Gate in just a minute, but I want to talk about the build to that match here Because I think we're going to talk about the result of the match there, and I think they're different discussions. I am so impressed with the build of this match, Now, there's a a few reasons for that. I talk about in my Voices of Wrestling review, you can read the written review with all my star ratings over at VoicesOfWrestling.com, that Skywalker and Ben K have the parallels of B.B. Hulk and Shingo. Now, obviously, that feud, Hulk and Shingo, is one of the great in-ring feuds, I think, in the history of wrestling. At the very at the very worst, you can say it's one of the best feuds of the 21st century. Shingo came into the company in October of 2004. Hulk came in in March 2005. They were the first two guys in the Dragon Gate Dojo. And they had this feud that lasted until Shingo's very last day in the company, where they would team together, they would feud, they would be forced to team together, they would feud again. They always had magic in the ring. It was just an incredible journey to go through. And if you want to talk about generational rivals, especially given the the context of the generational warfare that we're in, it's very interesting to me that Skywalker split off from Ben K, at least in storyline, because these two guys came into the dojo around the same time. They wrestled each other in their very first exhibition match in December of 2015 on a Next Show, and then they both made their official debuts on April 24, 2016 on Next Shows that there's footage of it, uh, there, there's footage of the ben K debut actually on the Gate Network. I would recommend watching that if you haven't seen it. I don't think we've seen the same from Skywalker, who would have been Shun Watanabe at the time. I would like them to upload that at some point. So we have this very strong generational rivalry that I think speaks for itself. And, and I like that, and I'm into that story. But I do feel the need to specifically praise Ben K because throughout his career... He seems to have risen to the occasion in big matches, and I don't know if it's something that he does intentionally. I don't know if it's just the fact that he was so well-protected and, you know, given just this special aura from the beginning of his career onwards. But when Ben K. challenges for the Dreamgate belt, or is, is involved in the Dreamgate picture at all, it feels like a really big deal. Obviously you can point to Pac versus Ben K from last summer where Mike and I did, uh, we, we exhausted previewing that matchup. We talked about the implications of what would happen <laughs> if Ben K won and and he ended up winning, and how he, at least for a moment, looked like he was going to be the new ace of the promotion, that has not happened, but that is not a slight at Ben K. That is just things unfold a little bit differently than we thought they would. But you have a match like that, where Ben K runs through King of Gate undefeated, you have this dominant champion in Pac, and the build to that match felt like a long-term build, that by the end of that match, the final Ben K bombed beat Pac, it felt like the conclusion of this long and well-told story. But you also have in Ben K's career, his Dreamgate Challenge against Mochizuki in March of 2018, his Dreamgate Challenge against Masao Yoshino in November of 2018, and then his subsequent, subsequent Dreamgate defenses after he beat Pac, notably the Mochizuki defense and the Yoshino defense. It's funny those names come back again. Where... Those weren't exactly big build matches. You know, they were on big shows, Champion Gate 2018, Gate of Destiny 2018, he, the Mochizuki defense where Ben K came in as the champion, that was the October Cork and Hall show of last year, and then the Masao Yoshino match was Gate of Destiny. They went back to back 18 and 19 headlining that show. Those were matches that were obviously big, biggest title in the company, biggest names in the company, main event level match. But they weren't these long drawn out builds the same way the POC match was, but I knew going into those matches that they were going to be big deals and they were going to register as a big deal at least within again at least within the international fan base. I think we have been super into Ben K since his debut, and it registers as such on the the very unofficial Twitter buzzometer. But when Ben K is in a big match. It feels like a big deal, and he has once again done the same thing here, where you can play into the generational storyline that I referenced earlier. You can play into the fact that Ben Kay and Shun Skywalker, one, wrestled in February of last year at Corken Hall, and Shun Skywalker beat him to end up challenging Pac for the Dreamgate belt. He would lose that defense, and then Pac would lose to Ben K in July, and then they wrestled again in December of 2019 at Corken Hall, and Ben K won, and that is the reason that Shun Skywalker went to Mexico. So if you think about it from the big picture perspective, this is a long-term feud. But because of COVID, because of the weird timeline that we're on this year, because Shun Skywalker came back on November 3rd at Gate of Destiny, and then won the Dreamgate belt November 15th at Kobe World, which doesn't make any sense, but it worked, This has felt like a short-term build, so you really have two different realities of what this match could be, but the end result is that Ben K, being the challenger, feels like a really big deal, in his interactions with Shun, not only in this match, but at KBS Hall, at Hokkaido, two weeks ago, these have all felt like big interactions. And I have no doubt, I will be shocked if that match is not great at final gate. I will be shocked if that is not my final addition to the spreadsheet for 2020. Because I really think there is a a legitimate potential that that could be a late match of the year contender because both guys have excellent chemistry together and they both feel big time. Am I off base in any of that?
1: No, no. And the only thing that I would add, because I think you covered both of those angles exceedingly well, is... This is, the, uh, this is the big matchup going forward in this company. When you look towards 2026, 2031, expect to see these two guys on top. And as I've been really hammering home the point, both on Twitter, on the show, and in written reviews, no company, other than maybe AAA, but no company to this level has been as willing to say, we are Dragon Gate. We know times are tough. We know that we have to accommodate the terrible year we're in with the pandemic and everything but we are Dragon Gate we are going to do Dragon Gate and they, they're putting forth quite honestly and possibly the biggest match of this current generation of young stars that they can have with this short on paper build up but already this deep rich history that you've referred to I've written about that we've talked about for the last month that this is Dragon Gate this is who they are. When Binkey won the title, he said, "I want you all to say this with me. We are Dragon Gate." This is the company and this is the thing that if you're joining this promotion now and if you're starting to follow it more eagerly now, these are going to be the two guys who are now just almost like you have two of the baby harnesses that are like the dog harnesses that you like that, that when parents have kids on a leash and it's always super weird, but like but like but like they're tethered to each other. I should have just said tethered to each other. No, no, the the
0: child leash worked. I completely understood what you meant.
1: These two guys are going to be tethered to each other for however long their careers last in this company. And this company is so dedicated to this idea of preparing for the future that they're not holding this match off for the double Kobe world next year. They're doing it immediately. They're going to finish the year this way. In one way or another, we will be walking into 2021 with a champion that's under the age of 30 who has either be on their first defense or be on their second reign. And it's remarkable. And it's something that—who else does this case? No one does.
0: No, there's no no booking competition this year. There is not an argument for a better booked promotion. From top to bottom, from opening match to doy Darts— no one books better than this company right now it's not even close and i love AEW i am into that promotion right now i mike this is this is awful to say i have been watching a lot of DDT lately which is the first time i've been able to say that since about 2015 and i've been watching a lot of noah lately Now, the thing with noah i hate their booking noah's in ring year has actually been outstanding and katsuhiko nakajima has been one of the best wrestlers in the world this year goshi ozaki has also been really really good i hate hate, hate Noah's booking, though. I cannot be emotionally invested in that promotion. DDT's a weird one where, for the most part, I actually, I, I don't hate their booking, I kind of just hate some of their wrestlers, though, but if I, if I navigate the cards correctly, I can find something that I like, but it's not even, Mike, it's not even close. I mean, what Dragon Gate is doing, uh, just on a purely booking level, forget the in-ring if you don't like that, but booking, uh, no one touches them.
1: And, and I'll say this, as a, as me throwing down the gauntlet, if you're someone who does vote in any of the year awards and if you do not watch dragon gate and if you aren't able to recognize what dragon gate's doing and you don't have dragon gate, if not your top promotion, but in the top two, it, you're someone whose opinion I immediately just ignore
0: finger off the pulse.
1: Absolutely. And I guess we need to talk about that doy darts match. It's kind of, it's always kind of hard to talk about Doi darts matches just because of their singular, their doy darts matches, but the two sides, Team A, were Kness, Dai Inferno, Kota Minora, Ryo Saito, and BB Hulk. Team B was Jason Lee, Masaki Mochizuki, Kanichiro Rai, my main man, Kazmo Sakamoto, and the replacement for Strong Machine J, Konamawa Ichikawa. The finish was actually another preview. It was Masaki Mochizuki getting the direct pin on the Open the Twin Gate champion, BB Hulk, with the Sakakuguri to the face.
0: I thought this ruled, and, and the Doid Darts matches, you know, for as silly as they are in the way they come about, and for as nonsensical as they are from a storyline perspective, I always think they're great matches. I, I always think they're a really high level of multi-man work, and I talk about in my review the idea that I, I really like the way they built this match and worked this match with R.E.D., despite having guys on separate sides ended up coming together, and there was kind of two matches in one here, which I thought was really unique and really well done. But my big takeaway from this, and the thing that I'm not more interested in talking about, but I I just, you know, I'm going to bring it up here, I thought Masaki Mochizuki was the, the ruler of this match. I thought he was a king in the ring, and I realized watching this, this is the second Dragon Gate match I've had with Mochizuki above four stars this year, which is wild to think because he's worked most of his matches in NOAA. Like, I have Ben Kanyamato versus Gamma and Mochizuki from January 11th of this year at four and a quarter stars. I have this at four stars. And then everything else that I've liked from Mochizuki has been in NOAA. And it speaks to what we just talked about, building towards the future of the company. It would be really easy. Like, I think about this Gabe Sapolsky quote where he talks about how People think booking is just putting together good matches, but any idiot can put Brian Danielson and Nigel McGinnis in the ring and, and say that's booking, because that's going to work 100% of the time. And the same thing can be said with Masaki Mochizuki and a broomstick. You can put Mochizuki in the main event against anybody that would deliver, and I think it would draw, and it would be critically uh, 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 appraised or approved. People would like it, is what I'm trying to say. But the fact is, Mochizuki is 50 years old. He was not even within uh, uh, the focus of this company this year. He was off doing his own thing. It was in NOAA for most of the year. And then he comes back here, and you go, oh, that's right, Masaki Mochizuki is one of the best wrestlers ever, and he proved it in this match. And I'm looking at the review right now. I gave this four and a quarter, not four stars, so you could put it on the board, four and a, four and a quarter. I like this match a lot.
1: Yeah, this match was an absolute blast. I like how they... they, they they did things that, I mean, the thing about the Arts matches for people who are new to Dragon Gate is you kind of are forcing these teams, and more often than not, you, you're you kind of taken out of whatever your feud, whatever your storyline is, and you're competing in this match, because this is the farewell match to Tokyo each year. It is always the Arts match, and then eventually, within like five or ten minutes, things start to break down, and you get like the real rivalries come out, you get the real... Like, R.E.D. was playing nice for about the first half of this match before they realized, oh, wait, there's three of us in this match on opposite sides. Why aren't we fighting each other? And I always love that touch, but they started this match off to the races with Kota Minunora facing off against his tag team partner, Jason Lee. And they had excellent work there. And then you even get, like, the, the whole thing of, oh, Dai Inferno has to fight Konomawa Ichikawa. How is that going to be like? How is he going to take his deal? and I tweeted when I was watching this, is like, I believe that uh, Daya Inferno's reaction, they, they copied that off of if any Gaijin is working Dragon Gate and they don't know what Ichikawa's deal is. So I really appreciated that. And then you had the fact that Ichikawa's team was trying to keep him out of the match because like, no, this is going to be a big match. We want this to be a big match. And if Ichikawa's in the match, he's probably going to lose like in 10 seconds. So it just like all came together to like this great flowing match. It is a Doidarts match that lives up to the reputation of a Doidarts match. I was just a shade lower than you on this one. Four flat on it. Still a notebook match. Still excellent. It's just hard every year to kind of be like, so this is what happened in this match. It's a Doidarts match. It's when everything is thrown out the window and then 10 minutes in, they go get everything out of the window and they let it play into the finish beautifully.
0: It was great. I would, I would highly recommend from this show, if you're looking for recommendations before Final Gate, I think you have to watch everything after the first three matches, because you'll understand Kagatora Akuda without watching that match, but from the ex-debut La Estrella on, I, everything pertains to Final Gate, and then that main event, which has nothing to do with Final Gate, was just a ton of fun to watch.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. And now, let's get into Final Gate. It is the final big match of the year, as Dragon Gate likes to put it. It will be on the 20th from Fukuoka at the Kukusai Center, 5 p.m. Japanese Standard Time with live English commentary. That is 3 a.m. I believe Eastern Time. Is that two? Is it's going to be two for you, right? Well, no,
0: I'll be back in Indiana, so uh, Seven, I, I, I've been isolating for 11 days now. Uh, thank you CDC for lowering that that limit down to 10 days from 14. And on that, I just went to the grocery store, so I'll be fine. But I'm going back to Indiana this weekend, so it'll be it'll be three Eastern for me. I'm going to have to grab you know for the Cork and Hall show. I returned to the Coca-Cola energy drink, and my second time around, I gotta say, that's a good drink, Mike. That is a uh, that is now in the rotation of energy drinks that I will be drinking with my Twizzlers and my Dragon Gate in the wee hours of the morning.
1: Yeah, it's gonna be a really exciting show again, Dragon Gate Network. It will be Jay and Ho Ho Loon, I assume. Let's just go from bottom to top, guys. Yeah, let's good do to it, you? cause
0: yeah, that, that works for me.
1: All right, so the opener is a six-man tag team match. Unaffiliated teams, everyone's getting on the card here. Super Shisa, Gamma, Hoho Ho loon versus Yosuke San Maria, Problem Dragon, Mondai Ryu, and my main of the most main man, Takedo Kamei makes his return to the shows.
0: I think... The possibility of Shisa and Kamei interacting with one another is incredibly exciting. And under normal circumstances, that would be what I'm most looking forward to in this match. But I have to be realistic, and I have to wonder, the, I, I, I think I will time it with my stopwatch, the time from when the bell rings in this match to when Ho-Ho Loon makes his way to the English commentary table. Because if we learn anything from Kobe World, he's not going to the back. He's going straight from the ring to that table, and I look forward to witnessing that once again.
1: Jay, buddy, if you're if you're if you're listening, get a towel and like a ball of water for him at the table. Just have it prepared for him. I mean, come on. He Ho Ho is a sweet guy. just like look out for your partner in that way. I mean, I would if I was doing commentary.
0: It's uh it's, it's it was so god, I that Kobe world moment, that was that made me so <laughs> happy. That was just that was the best thing I've ever seen. And and again, Kobe Super Shisa. You know, those are guys that I think should be having singles matches on the undercard of some of these shows, because I think they can do some tricked-out grappling that that at least I would be very into, and I know Mike would like. Whether people in Hokkaido would like it or not, I don't know, but I'm not worried about them. I'm worried about what I like, and I would like to see those two go at it on the mat, and I think we're going to get a little bit of that in this match.
1: Absolutely. So, guess the one big question really isn't the result. Do we get to see Kamei break out the Torbolino too?
0: Oh, you know, I... I, I, Yeah, I think so, because I think his side is winning, and I think he's getting the pinfall.
1: Yeah, we, we might get to see his first time. Maybe that's why he wasn't on shows this week, was Yoshino, the perfectionist that he is, was drilling him in the dojo, having him do hundreds of Torbolinos each day. <laughs> torbolinos Probably, on crash pads? <laughs> oh, uh, do you think Masato Yoshino is going to make him do it on a crash pad? No, <laughs> I think Masato <laughs> Yoshino is having him in the ring. I think the crash test dummy is going to be Whoever is the current top guy who got got brought in in twenty twenty, and he was just been told you're going to be eating Torbolinos for the next week. We're getting this down pat. You know, Dragon so, Gate
0: just announced they are are taking new recruits for I think February of twenty twenty one is when right. when that deadline ends. So you know, we never they, you know, that's what they do for their to get kids in their dojo. So we never know what's going to come of that, but. The pipeline is not slowing down. They are continuing to add kids to that system, which is equally exciting as it is terrifying.
1: And if you're someone who is in Japan and you are under the age of 28, that's the only restriction in the Dragon Gate Dojo. There's no dumb ridiculousness of New Japan saying it to be 185 centimeters and at least 90 kilos. They take all types. The only requirement is you have to be under the age of 28 and be able to attend a tryout. And, it, and I assume if you're someone who's in Japan right now and listening to the show and you're a wrestler, give it a shot. You know, <laughs> you never best know what could happen. L- <laughs> you, you never know what could happen is the best wrestling school in the world.
0: As uh, as famed Chicago shock jock, man, Cal Moeller likes to say my only regret in life is that I didn't dream big enough. And that is something he says unironically. So try it for the dragon gate dojo.
1: And, and for the only time in my life, take man Mueller's muller's <laughs> advice the, See, the only, only thing time
0: you want <laughs> anything else <laughs> stay away but his biggest regret in life is that he didn't dream big enough
1: yeah there we go i don't think there's gonna be a lot dreaming big enough next match this is the singles match this is ah, takashi yoshida versus jason lee poor jason lee he's the odd guy out gets a face off against takashi yoshida they couldn't find some way to make the multi-man match, a 16-man tag case, like that's the thing. That's like my one disappointment is you couldn't make this like a four, uh, a six, a eight-man four-way match and have like, and then have him with the Red side. You have Jason Joyd Masquerade. Maybe you pull up Maria from Dragon Gate Generation, but and then you also, I guess, put Shisa in there. Like you could have done that.
0: Yeah, I'm okay with that, though, because I think Yoshida in a match-two singles match is going to be about six minutes, and there's no chance that he ruins that big multi-man match later on in the show, so that that's fine. That's fair. I, I think, I, I mean, I hope this is a vehicle to get Jason Lee a roll-up win, and for him to just kind of wash his hands of Yoshida. The thing that is interesting is that Yoshida's not in the unit disbands match, and given what we talked about, I'm assuming he'll be out at ringside, and I, I, I just think that's something to pay attention to.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're in the triennial. Yoshida has issues with his unit thing. So, it's going to play into something one way or another. Not much more time that match deserves. Sorry, Jason. We love you. You just got the straw this time. Uh, match three is a trio's match. Team Boku, Ryo Saito, Boku Mo, Dragon, Punch Nominaga versus the Torimon Generation team of Kness, Konamawa Ichikawa, and, and Sachioko Boy. If you're new to Dragon Gate, this is going to be the outright comedy match. It's going to be, it's at least four yucksters in this match, and Kinesh just kind of being flustered.
0: Man, I'm nervous about this match because if if you're new to Dragon Gate, this match in pretty much any other building they run would be guaranteed to be a lot of fun. But I have I have two concerns here. And one, it is match three. I don't think it's going to get a lot of time, but ten minutes maybe. Ten minutes. You would you would hope ten minutes at the at the at the very most. And I have a a bad feeling that this could linger a little bit. And if you've never watched a Final Gate show before, it'll be very interesting to see if it registers with the clap crowds or not because Fukuoka, in this building in particular, it's weird, Hakata Star Lanes, which is where they used to run in Fukuoka before that uh, that building got shut down. One of the hottest crowds in The entire world. Matt Seidel talks about the first time he wrestled in Nakata Star Lanes. He had never felt a crowd like that. He couldn't believe they were reacting the way they were reacting to every single move he did. He said it's one of his best memories in wrestling. Fukuoka, the big building for Final Gate, a bit of a different story. A freezing cold building that is known for really, really dead crowds. And I just wonder if the comedy in this match is going to get vacuumed up. And this match, it should be fine. But worst case scenario, it does die a very painful death in Fukuoka.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's, that's the thing to kind of keep an eye on, on this entire show is it's uh, the Kukusai Center, which is the coldest arena in all of Japan. It's not just a New Japan thing. It's not just a Dragon Gate thing. Whoever runs this video, I don't know what it is. It, it, I I would love to talk to someone who lives in that area and be like, so why is it that in smaller buildings, and, and, and now the new building that they run instead of Starlings kind of has the same issue too. You know, like remember the last double shot where they only cared about the uh, the uh, Kyushu pro tag team champions? <laughs> like.
0: Which by the way, Mentai kid had a horrible injury this week. I think he's going to be oh. out for like nine or 10 months or something.
1: Prayers up for Mentai Kid.
0: Yeah, I, I got bummed out when I read that because he was so much fun on those last Fukuoka shows, and I forget the extent of his injuries, but it was it was two different things that both looked like they're going to take him out for a while, so that's a, that's a real bummer. But yeah, Fukuoka's just a weird—it's just weird, and, and these crowds are weird, and I don't think it will affect the main event. Again, given the fact that they're not allowed to emote verbally, maybe it doesn't affect this card at all. Maybe this is a, a swing in the right direction for this crowd— but there is just a thing with the comedy here where I could, I could see this if this hits the ring at 3:35 Eastern Standard Time. This one could be a little bit hard to get through.
1: No, I'm totally with you on that. But I do have hopes that this next match, it is a six-way four-man or six-man four-way tag. So four, four teams trios each. Don't know if it's elimination or not. Usually they are. It is the uh, Torimon Generation team of Ultimo Dragon. Yazushi kanda suji kondo dragon gate generation team of kz yamato and ut masquerade of kota Minora, dragon Daya, and la estrella and then the red team of diamante Kazma, sakamoto and Die inferno given the potential in the flying in this match and that the hot and heavy action that i'm expecting this other than the main event might and the uh, disbands match might have the ability to see if this crowd will break the uh the clap only provision because there's an opportunity for this match to be really scintillating. I don't think the results in doubt case here. Do you, what do you think
0: the result is? I'm curious now.
1: I think Masquerade has to win.
0: I think that's probably a safe bet. They would certainly, they would certainly be my favorites with Dragon Gate and the Dragon Gate team being within the mix. I don't, I don't see a, a way that Torimon team wins. I don't see a way the RED team wins unless it's Dia Inferno directly pinning Dragon Dia. You know, Final Gate, for as weird as these shows typically are, they have a really good history of big multi man matches. They didn't have one last year, but Final Gate 2018 was the four way Twin Gate match. Twin Gate, yeah, match, the, yeah. The Big Bend versus Speed Muscle versus Yamato and Kagatora versus Flamita and Bandito match. That might have been Bandito's last match in Dragon Gate, which is impressive because he went out on a high note. And then the year before that is the Triangle Gate match with Dory Yoshino and Jason Lee against Hulk, Casey and Yamato. I don't know why I was talking about that match on this show within the past few months, but I I know I referenced it at one point because it's like a a great top the line level Triangle Gate match, and then the last five minutes, it is like the greatest closing stretch I've ever seen. Like, you would be convinced if you just saw the last five minutes, you are watching the greatest wrestling match ever. It's a four and three quarter star Triangle Gate match that might be on the Dragon Gate Network. I have no idea what is in their final gate archives right now, but that match is terrific. So there's a history of them delivering with these big multi-man matches on this show. And when you look at this, I think the X factors in this match, the guys that could take this match to the next level, I think there's there's one per team. I think it's Shuji Kondo. Who has been brilliant in these multi-man matches since returning to Gate in July? I think UT is always his just his role as being an X Factor in really shaking things up if he gets the opportunity to. He's obviously teaming with Yamato and Casey. Those guys are going to deliver. But UT brings a different thing to the table than those guys do. He's the underdog, he's got the wacky submission, so he can fly around the ring a little bit. If UT is on, this match could be really special. With the RED team, I think the same can be said about Diane Inferno. We just we still don't know a ton about him. This is a new position for him to be in, but given his recent in-ring work, I think he can deliver. And then obviously, for the Masquerade team, La Estrella. I mean, this dude should get tossed like a football by Shuji Kondo. He should be absolutely obliterated in this match, and then he should win at the very end.
1: Right, yeah. I mean, you look at Shuji Kondo, you look at Diamante, you look at Kazma. Kazma is a great big little worker. This is, this is where Kazma
0: a- does his best work. It's, it's, it's so weird to think that Kazma Sakamoto is a valuable member of Dragon Gate multi man matches, but this is where he thrives.
1: Oh, absolutely. And it's something where you, you look at this and you watch this and you go, like, there's a lot of ways that this match, if they give it just like shy of 20 minutes, they could do some really, really cool stuff here because you have Kazma Sakamoto and UT. Sushi Kondo and La Australia. Diet Inferno and Yamato. That's interesting to me. There's a lot of ways that this thing can go and a lot of fun combinations here. And it just seems like that this could be a match and they don't do as many multi-team matches as they used to. That's something that I remember a case we used to talk about all the time about how many multi-team matches they've had. They've really scaled it back this year and over the last few years. But this could be a match that, in my belief, could be the match of the show and it could put like a stamp and a new entry in the list of the dragon systems like trademark match is the multi-team match as much as the six-man tag was the big thing that launched them in the western audience's eyes it's the multi-man tag it's a multi-team tag and this could be a worthy addition to the list of great multi-team matches
0: i have really high hopes for this match i really hope it delivers
1: and then next match, we're getting to the first of the three title matches. Open the Bravegate Championship. Keisuke Okuda making his second defense against Kagatora. And I like how they've built up this feud. This is given Kagatora, who we bag on Kagatora sometimes, but I don't think it's unfair that he is someone who can disappear very easily into the card when he's not really given something much to do. But in, in the lead-up to this, he's shown more fire than I've seen out of him since the Jimmys broke up. And... They have like this nice combination of stuff. That there's Kagatora locking in the Kagnoi out of the sleeper hold that was really tight. And, you know, it's interesting to see where they can go for this because th- this does feel like a checklist uh, title defense. But if it's something that Kagatora is motivated, I think there's like a possibility that he gets the win here. But still, I think that Okuda is the heavy favorite to retain.
0: Well, it's been two years since we've seen the idea even of Big Match Kagatora. The last big title match that he was in, something where he was challenging for a title on a big show, was Final Gate 2018. It was the, the Twin Gate match that I just referenced. Now, he wrestled... He had that awesome Triangle Gate team with Maria and Yuchi in 2019, and they challenged for the uh, the Triangle Gate belts, I think on a Fukuoka show, but that's not it's not a big-time title match. You know, Kagatora was just doing his thing, and then he had the Triangle Gate match at Kobe World. But even that... Was a match entirely built around getting SBK over. So it's not like we saw a big match Kagatora there. So we're going back two years to the Twin Gate challenge, and then April of 2018, when he wrestled Dragon Kid for the Brave Gate belt. That's the last time he was in the Brave Gate scene. So it's been two and a half years, really, since we've seen Kagatora. Be motivated because you know like Mike said, he's a guy who he works to the level of his competition and if he's working opening match uh, six man tags, he's gonna disappear. but in the big spots like this, he can deliver. I like the chemistry he has with Akuda. I think this is a perfect first defense for Akuda to beat a guy Second. who Second, because he, he beat Ishida, that's right. So his second defense, his first one away from Ishida, I think it's the perfect match. It's a name that he can beat. It doesn't hurt Kagatora, and it only helps Akuta. I think the result is pretty obvious. I would be shocked if Kagatora won, but has a potential to be a really good match.
1: Right, yeah, the, the, there's potential here. I mean, this is, the, the phrase of hot fighting will be on display between these two, with the hottest man, like the angriest man alive, Keisuke Akuta.
0: Yeah, there's just an interesting dynamic here of the flash pins of Kagatora against what is really the flash pins of Kaisuke Akuna, the way he gets into those submissions so quickly. There's just an interesting dynamic there. And like I said, I, I really liked their chemistry in the tag matches leading up to this. So I, I'm looking forward to this. The, the undercard is weird. Those first three matches don't really offer a ton, but everything from here on out, I'm super excited about.
1: Yep. And then we get into the Twin Gate match. R.E.D., BB Hulk, and Kai making their second defense against Mochi Fuji, Misaki Mochizuki, and Don Fuji. I'm going to put some stats out here, Case. I, I, I did a little bit of research. So since Kobe World 2018, so July of 2018, there's been 22 Twin Gate matches. And go, I have a little bit of a one-question pop quiz for you, Case. You ready? Yeah. How many of those matches have not had either BB Hulk, Kai, or Yamato in it?
0: And you said there are 22 matches total?
1: Yes. So how many without the without any of those three in there? 3 7.
0: Damn. All right.
1: So 15 of uh, the last 22 Twin Gate matches have had w- some iteration of those three guys in here. And most of the the difference happened during the uh the Big E tag team run and then the uh Jason Lee and Kota one. So that's how overwhelmed and how colored this this division is. And then you get uh Masaki Mochizuki and Don Fuji mochi fuji at one point they held all the records for the twin gate division they're back at it we've spent pretty much the last few months just heaping praise on don fuji he is 50 and loving it and it is something where i hope there's a tile change here just because of how colored this division is by these three guys but as we were talking about earlier and i sadly spoke into existence i feel like that uh R.E.D. retains, and we're probably going to see some iteration of Yamakon coming soon.
0: That logic is really hard to beat, but for the sake of being different, for as hot as Mochi Fuji has been going into this match, I I am going to firmly predict that they win the belts, and if they win next week, you will hear me take my victory lap, because it's the same reason I was excited for Mindora and Lee to win the titles in August— It was just something different in this division, and it's not that Hulk, Yamato, and Kai have done bad work, and I think anybody, especially in in the landscape of 2020, if anybody wants to argue that these guys have done bad work, I I just disagree completely. You want to talk about 2018-2019 Kai, it's a different story, but I think this year, he's been really good, and Hulk and Yamato obviously pulled their weight. But it's still, it's it's two and a half years of this now. I'm just ready for something new in this division, and something new, despite holding all of the records at one point for the tw- the Twin Gate, you know, length of the reign and the defenses in a reign, Fuji and Mochizuki are something new because they teamed together once, uh... Earlier this year, February 2nd, in Fukuoka, they obviously teamed at the Corken Show at the beginning of the month, but we're not going to count that. So, one match as a two-on-two team in February of 2020. And then you have to go back to September 18th of 2018. Mike, we talked earlier about the Drastic Boy, Brother Yashi, Jimmy debut match that had a bunch of names. Well, this was Don Fuji and Mochizuki against Yamato and Willie Mack. And that is the last time before 2020 that these guys teamed in a two-on-two match with one another. And just while we're down the cage match rabbit hole, their next match together was K Yasushi Kanda, and Kaisuke Akuda in his Dragon Gate debut against Fuji, Mochizuki, and Magnitude Kishiwata. And I am devastated we do not have that match on tape.
1: Uh, you know how I miss the big boss.
0: I'd bring him in tomorrow if I could. I, I still think Kishiwada can go. He's been good on, on the DDT show. I, I just recently saw him. He was very good there. But I'm going to go with Mochi Fuji just for the sake of being different. They've been winning all of the matches in the build of this. And I think it's, I honestly think it's like 60 40 RED to Mochi Fuji. Now, the logic that right. Mike laid out earlier in the show, really hard to beat that. So I do think they still have to be the favorites. But I can't rule out a Mochi Fuji victory.
1: Just because I want to counter the energy I put out earlier. My prediction is Mochi Fuji. I just, as soon as I said that, the thought did not cross my mind until I said that on air about an hour ago, Case, So I hope our rowdy uncles win, and I hope that afterwards they have very awkward Twitter conversations about Don Fuji wanting to go out drinking, but Misaki Mochizuki's already asleep.
0: Yeah, that was a a lovely discussion. (sighs)
1: Ah, gosh. What's better than Mochi Fuji? What's better honestly. than guys
0: being dudes, Mike. What's better than guys being dudes with maybe <laughs> with maybe the exception of a unit disband match. I think that is what is better than guys being dudes.
1: Yeah, that's right. semi my main event. Losing unit must disband. No disqualification. Elimination match. We're not messing with Nanowall rules. We're not messing with Yoshida rules. It's just five on five guys being dudes, bringing out the plunder. It's Mon generation. Naruki Doi, Masato Yoshino, Dragon Kid, Zasumi Okosuka, and Giki Horiguchi versus RED, Aida, Kaido Ishida, Hio, SB Kento, and Hip Hop Kakuda.
0: Mike, I want, I want your thoughts first. Uh, we have not talked about this match. I do not know where you stand. I would like to know who you think is winning this match.
1: Well, if we were able to bet on Dragon Gate, the safest bet one can make on this card is that RED wins. Because let me give a little bit of the his- history lesson for new fans. So, this is the first unit to span's match since over generation in 2018. In the history of the Dragon System, there's only been two heel units losing a disband match. Deep Drunkers and Mad Blanky. And with those odds, you have to go for RED and I think I'm using therapy r- r- words here, Case. I think that with Team Boku being around and already having significant members of the Torimon generation in it, I think Team Boku is going to be a thing for a while. And I think that that kind of tips the hand a little bit. I think that Masato Yoshino, over the next eight months, could really be like mentoring Kamei as like his heir. Dragon Kids, Susumu, and Ginky, they'll be fine. You know, they'll find their places. I mean, they're lieutenants, they're not generals. And then, coming out of this, and going to 2021, I think something happens to expel Ada from RED, and it's time for RED to turn into the next heal unit. They're already one of the longest tenured heal units in Dragon Gate history, guys. So I think RED has won.
0: I disagree. I think your logic is really strong, but I think this is going to be a time where the Toriumon generation prevails. I think your logic is really sound. I I disagree with none of it with the exception of the result, which is that the last time we did not have a red, black, and yellow heel unit, we did not have some version of Berserk, Antios, or RED, was August 16th, 2015. So this is a heel unit that has lasted multiple generations now, and I think this is a natural breaking point for a few different factions to split here, because I think you have the young guys in Kakuta and SPK. I think you have whatever Eita and Yoshida are going to do. And then you've got the Grime guys, Ishida, Hyo, Kai, BB, Hulk, where I don't have a feel for them. I think they could go in opposite directions or in, you know, whatever direction they need to go. But I think there is a natural conclusion and a natural breaking point with R.E.D. in this match. The other thing, to bring back a point we made earlier on in the show, we are assuming there is a Toriumon reunion show happening in the middle of January. Now, obviously, if Toriumon loses this match, we're going to get the final chapter of the Toriumon generation, probably some 8-on-8 Toriumon versus Toriumon tag at that show, and I think that would be a nice way to send things off. But I also think that last year... Toriumon versus Red headlined that show. After the run-in, they did the impromptu main event, and this and that. You can't go back to that well, but you need something for that Toriumon main event. I don't think they're doing Toriumon versus Red again. I think they're doing Toriumon versus Drangate or Toriyama versus Masquerade. And I think we are are getting a complete restructuring of the heel unit as we go into 2021, which is something for as good as the work for Red has been this year. I would be thrilled with that because, again, it has been five and a half years since we had some drastic, different, drastically different variation of this heel unit. I think this match should go either way. I really think it's a 50-50 split, but I am going to err on the side that I think Matt Blenke, you know, they lost in 2015. They were the second heel unit to lose a unit disband match. I think the third unit is going to be R.E.D., and I think it's going to happen here.
1: yeah. I mean, your logic is sound. It would be fitting to, at the beginning of 2021, to have a whole new heel lineage, and it would be a good time to break from it. I think that regardless, okay, so I think we're both in agreement. Uh, whatever the next heel unit's going to be, Ada's not going to be part of it, right? No, I it's and, and
0: I think that's another thing to my point. Sorry to cut you off here, but Shun Skywalker's already knocked off the top guy in R.E.D., and unless... I, I Well, I, let me let me phrase it this way. Shun Skywalker's already knocked off the top guy at R.E.D. There has to be some sort of restructuring, restructuring to get who I assume will be Kaito Ishida to lead that heel unit. It might be him, it might be somebody else, but for the heel unit to have any sort of say in Skywalker's Dreamgate run, I think there has to be a change because you can't just go as it stands now, from Skywalker to Ishida. That's, that's a match that I think is a money match. It's something that they will end up doing. But it has to look different than the current affiliation that's there now.
1: Yeah, yeah. I mean, and with the way that things are going, I, I guess we'll, we'll probably more get a chance to speculate about this next week as the year is coming to a close. But it's going to be interesting because I, you, you're right about the units doing like this. Uh, the one thing I want to ask you, Case, while we have time, do you think we might have a Deep Drunker situation?
0: You'll have to refresh my memory.
1: So the story goes that Deep Drunkers threw their unit to spans match because they wanted to get rid of Kanichiro Rai. That Kanichiro ori wanting to fight clean was ridiculous, and all the Deep Drunker members who wanted to fight clean were preposterous, and that's when they became Team Doi for about nine months before the launch of Blood Warriors. Do you think we might see like the Heels kind of overthrow Ada in this match and, like, lose the match so that they can kick out Ada and form a new heal unit in Ishida's image? Maybe we could see someone from Dragon Gate Generation Jump. I think that the one person that I know there's always been speculation about is KZ turning. I, I just wonder if there's something that we could get some shenanigans and a wrinkle that goes in here. That's what I was asking.
0: I, I think that's a very likely possibility. I certainly can't rule that out. I It would be interesting to see... R.E.D. win, and then for R.E.D. to still self-implode. And then I think with what's going on between Dragon Gate and Masquerade, you get yourself out of a situation. This has always been my big question with the G- the Generational Warfare is how do you put a side over in a big way without diminishing the other two units involved, just specifically with the ramifications of the Generations? And I think if you can get out of both Toriumon and R.E.D. in this match... And then Dragon Gate Generation can figure itself out because it's already in a program with Masquerade. I think that would be an incredibly efficient way to wrap up this storyline completely. And I I, I would be into that, and I would support that. I am still going with, I think, we have not seen the end of the Toriumon Generation. I think it's coming. I think their days are numbered, but I think they live to fight another day.
1: Yeah, and the proposed, and again, we don't know this for certain. It just seems likely the proposed uh, Toriumon Reunion would be a natural endpoint, so... Then we get into the main event case. We talked about it a lot before, but it's Shun Skywalker making the first defense of the Dreamgate title against Benkei, and I guess off the bat, um, I think Shun Skywalker, I wouldn't say he's a prohibitive favorite, but I think odds are heavily slanted in his favor that he will end the year as Dreamgate champion. Do, do you have any inclination of it going to Benkei here?
0: No. I Stunned wouldn't even be the right word if Benkei won this match. Now, I think it would be interesting i i don't think i would hate it at least on paper if it happened but i think there is a 99 percent chance shun skywalker wins and and there was some chatter yesterday among just various people on twitter of oh i I really hope ben k doesn't win i think shun skywalker needs this win and i would agree with that but i think those uh, paranoid thoughts of ben k winning are are completely blown out of proportion i really i think it's going to be a great match but i really don't see the result being in question
1: yeah, and that would completely cut Masquerade off at their knees immediately if Shun became a Zero Key champion. So it's just really we're going to see how the uh, Fukuoka crowd build up. Um, I feel like we've covered this match a lot. Case, did you have anything else you want to add, add in as we're doing the formal preview?
0: No, that's that's my thoughts on everything. I, I got nothing else to add.
1: Yep, that's it for me as well. So just so that y'all know, the preview of this will be up. In a written form on Voices of Wrestling. Either I'm, I'm we're recording this on fr- on Thursday afternoon. I'm going to rush edit this, try to get this to our overlord so it gets out there. But the written review probably Friday or Saturday. The show itself again Sunday morning Western time. It is a 5 p.m. Uh, Japanese standard time. That's 3 a.m. Eastern. That is a nice midnight for the West Coast. They're owning us again, case the west coast might actually be the best coast oh
0: it's sickening i mean i you know i gotta look at snow on the east coast i gotta listen to dorks and the voice of wrestling slack going, oh i actually like snow it's like no no it's awful it's terrible i hate it west coast is the best coast
1: i i mean the third coast is my preferred coast but that's just me personally but yeah bud i think that's going to do it for this episode Do you have anything else you want to hit on before we get out of here that's it mike I, I i am tapped out all right thank you all for listening we'll be back next week with our review, and then we'll start looking back. There's only one more show on the year, the Farewell Show in Kobe Semble Hall on the 27th. We'll have a preview for that. I assume we'll probably have a card by the time we review this. But for Case, I'm Mike. You can follow Case on Twitter at underscore in your case. You can follow me on Twitter at Fujiheya, and you can follow us both at Open Voice Gate. But for Case, I'm Mike. We'll catch you next time Open the Voice Gate. Take care.